Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Trump roars back. Clay Clark joins me, founder of the We Awaken America Tours and many other things. Stopping the omnibus spending frenzy and where's the Nashville shooters manifesto. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. I'm Debbie George Addis. Probably a lot of you saw the video, the little uh, speech that was given by President Trump from Mar-a-Lago last night. Came back from his indictment in New York City and I used the, I captioned the first five, Trump roars back. He just decided, and I, I cannot even tell you in words how impressed I am by his bravery and his willingness to say the things that most other politicians are simply unwilling to say. They're not brave enough to say, they're not sure of themselves enough to say the things that have to be said. Among the things he did, he very directly took on this district attorney and this Alvin Bragg and talked about how Alvin Bragg ran on, I mean, as a campaign theme, ran on, I'll get Trump. I mean, this is so unprecedented. I guess that's not, it's like being so pregnant. You either are or you're not. This is unprecedented in American history. A prosecutor who's really validating what so many conservatives have said for a long time, which is the entire propaganda media has so turned on Trump and so decided this man is going to be destroyed that he, Alvin Bragg, a candidate for an office as opposed to among the utmost things you mostly would care about in a prosecutor is you want to have fairness, you want to have unbiased, you want to have someone who will actually actually apply the rule of law fairly. And he was totally happy to run on the idea he is going to get Donald Trump. I have a few clips to play in this uh, opening segment from Donald Trump. If you would please, Emilio, play those clips. And, and turn it up, it's terrible volume. Like this could happen in America. Never thought it could happen. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. From the beginning, the Democrats spied on my campaign. Remember that? They attacked me with an onslaught of fraudulent investigations. Russia, Russia, Russia. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Impeachment hoax number one. Impeachment hoax number two, the illegal and unconstitutional raid on Mar-a-Lago, right here. The lying to the FISA courts, the FBI and DOJ relentlessly pursuing Republicans, the unconstitutional changes to election laws by not getting approvals from state legislators, the millions of votes illegally stuffed into ballot boxes and all caught on government cameras. And just recently, the FBI and DOJ in collusion with Twitter and Facebook 
in order not to say anything bad about the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, which exposes the Biden family as criminals and which, according to the pollsters, would have made a 17-point difference in the election result. And we remember the 51 intelligence agents who said Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Didn't exist. It was Russian disinformation. Remember that? And that was all confirmed strongly by the FBI when they all knew that it wasn't Russian disinformation. And so much more. Our elections were like those of a third world country. And now this massive election interference at a scale never seen before in our country, beginning with the radical left, George Soros-backed prosecutor Alvin Bragg of New York, who campaigned on the fact that he would get President Trump. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. This is a guy campaigning. He want to get President Trump at any cost, and this before he knew anything about me, didn't know a thing about me. He was campaigning. As it turns out, virtually everybody that has looked at this case, including rhinos and even hardcore Democrats, say there is no crime and that it should never have been brought. I'm going to hit three quick points. We do have Clay Clark joining us. I don't want to hold, ask him a whole much longer, but I do want to make a couple of quick points about that speech given at Mar-a-Lago and about the position or stance that President Trump is taking in response to this ludicrous indictment. He is right that many commentators, even leftist commentators, are essentially pointing out there is no substance to, there's no crime in all 34 counts of this indictment. It is just a political hit job complaint. I love he's pointing that out. He is very brave. He's obviously a man very sure he hasn't done anything wrong. The second point is maybe the most important thing, and that is we have watched the justice system in this country dole out what can only be, at very minimum, a double standard style justice. We have watched the Justice Department in our country, the DOJ and the FBI, going after Americans who peacefully protested on January 6th, and they have had their doors broken down in the middle of the night. They've, had, they've been dragged into Washington, charged for things no one's ever charged with, recently announcing they intend to indict another between 1,000 and 1,200 more Americans. This is a Justice Department literally unleashed on the political opponents of the administration. We have watched those cases proceed through the courts in Washington, D.C., where in times past, judges and the federal district court, the federal courts of appeal, looking at these cases would have been outraged by the idea that defendants are required to defend themselves while the prosecution is withholding evidence related all of the evidence of the videos that they had from January 6th, the hours and hours of videos never released to the defense attorneys. This is, you know, this, this is kangaroo court. This is third world banana republic conduct. So right now, the question, right, all of us should be thinking about very seriously is, are, is there a judicial system left in this country? Is there a legal system that will actually look fairly and honestly at the indictment Alvin Bragg squeezed out of his, 
his grand jury in New York, is there a court anywhere that will say, this cannot stand, we cannot, America cannot dissolve into the banana republic we already look like and be, have the backbone, the courage, the honesty, the legal and intellectual integrity to throw that case out. That is what must happen. That's the only right outcome, given everything now we already know about this indictment. Uh, and the final point is, there is a um, just a very, very serious concern in this country, not just that there happens to be one political party in office, not the other political party, but we are watching this administration the Biden run by the Obama administration, orchestrated and funded by the George Soros and leftist World Economic Forum types in this world, we are watching the slow destruction of America. I recount this to you often on this show. I run through the details of it. I'm just gonna mention them very quickly. We're watching our military be reduced to a social studies class for 10th graders to discuss pronouns and all sorts of left-wing lunacy, all sorts of unserious mindsets about we're going to have transgenderism in the military, we're going to have pronouns be the most important thing, we're going to discuss hurt feelings and critical race theory, all to the detriment of having a strong military. We see our military equipment, our armaments, our military equipment being sent off to the Ukraine, so we are no longer armed and ready to fight as we need to be. If you missed the interview of Sam Faddis on the show last week, talking about how dangerous America's situation is related to the uh, what we have left in our military after sending so much of it abroad, you know what I'm talking about. We have, we have military weekend. We have a border literally just simply unenforced. We have a pretend, like a Potemkin village presence on the border of the American southern border, pretty much not defending the border. And what is is among the most amazing things is Potemkin Village thing is everybody knows it. Everyone who lives on the border, everyone who works on the border, everyone who has to deal with border security will tell you, we don't enforce our southern border. We have China flying a spy balloon over America. The the government, the Biden administration, allowing that spy balloon to pause in place and stand over America's military installations, obviously gather information about our ICBMs and other weaponry we have at these military installations, and we don't shoot that thing down till it's already gathered all the information that we in America would never want our enemies to have, finally shoot it down over the Atlantic Ocean, which ties well with another point that came out of the, the interview I did with Sam Faddis, the idea of all the money flowing from the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, directly to the Biden family. You just have to wonder, did Xi Jinping just tell Biden, you know, by the way, we're sending a spy balloon over, don't you dare shoot it down. You know, when, when we're all done, we've gathered everything we want, then you can shoot it down. We, we have a government we cannot trust. We have FBI lying about the Hunter Biden laptop calling it Russian disinformation when they knew it wasn't. We have a DOJ turned into a third world banana republic, January 6th people hunted down, still no justice. And we have a military depleted. If you listed these things out in any other context in world history, the conclusion of anyone sane would be, this is an administration that's not on the side of the American people. Something is deeply, horribly wrong in America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so you probably all heard, I played a little bit of a linker a moment ago. Um, 
about the, uh, the um, remarks that President Trump offered when he got back to Mar-a-Lago last night. We're going to bring on Clay Clark in just a moment to join us. I'm going to remind you who Clay Clark is. Every time I introduce him, I switch up uh, what I have to say a little bit. But he's this most amazing American. I'm so grateful and glad to know him. Uh, he's uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, but he is the, um, the what we'll talk about a lot today. He's the founder of the Reawaken America Tours, uh, featuring top-notch speakers around the country, really bringing to light in America the dangers of flowing out of COVID, misinformation about COVID, what's in the vaccines, uh, discussion about the borders, what's happening on the borders, how dangerous it is to America, on all sorts of issues that really tie to the existence and the future of freedom in America. This, uh, these Reawaken America tours are just, just stellar. He is the founder of them, works frequently with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Uh, he's also the author of 13 books, the co-founder of, of all sorts of organizations. Um, he's, uh, he's been given many, many awards, award-winning speaker, uh, contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. Um, in fact, uh, find it, the um, one uh, organization described him as and this is pretty funny. The Jim Carrey of entrepreneurs. His energy is infectious. His smile is all goofball in a nice way. And his honesty is disarming. Uh, he's a award-winning entertainer, educator, speaker of choice in top companies all around the world. And he has his own show, Thrive Time, which he'll tell you more about. But he is just a 100% high-energy guy dedicated to preserving and saving America. Let's bring to the show Clay Clark. Hey, thank you for allowing me to be here. And I apologize if I don't live up to the hype. <laughs> you know, you, you can't possibly um, uh, not. I will tell you, Clay, I, um, I played, I don't know if it was, uh, wasn't it, last night or something, that little video you do, which essentially describes how you uh, were entrepreneurial even in like junior high school. And you right. look, and I won't play, I was going to play it today, but it'd be too distracting. This is a very serious time, so I, I won't be distracting with it. Except to say, even as a young, whatever you were, a middle schooler, looking around the school, recognizing what do people, what do kids want in school? Gum. Were they not allowed to have? Gum. Could I get some of that? And basically made yourself a business in junior high school, buying gum in bulk, selling it at school to kids. I mean, it's such a hilarious story. And it kind of summarizes you. Energy, creativity, recognition of the problem. I, I just loved it. So uh, welcome to the show, Clay Clark. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here. And as, as it relates to the Trump indictment, I just want to say um, on the Reawaken America Tour events, what's really exciting, Debbie, and you've seen some of these people. You know, we have Matt Whitaker, the former U.S. Attorney General on the tour. Uh, Laura Trump is on the tour. Eric Trump's on the tour. Cash Patel. I mean, many of the people close to President Trump are on the tour. And so I've got a lot of information today that I'd like to share about the Trump indictment. And I feel like that uh, your listeners will learn something from it because it's not coming from me. It's coming from people that are actually with President Trump on a daily basis. Okay. I, I love hearing that. The one thing I did send to uh, Emilio, I want to put up, I mentioned that you do these tours and I was thinking of some way to describe them and summarize them. But instead, I just took a screenshot of your website and hmm. for, for our listeners who are on watching the show uh what this is just a screenshot picture of all of the tours that clay clark and lieutenant general michael flynn and others have put together uh and they are ranging back i think the oldest one i can't quite read this from here but in any case it has ones that have already expired 2021 i guess some of the yep. older ones uh, april 2021 uh running up until now you have four tours planned uh, four more events coming up but what this really is for people who 
don't have time to immerse themselves in the news and are deeply concerned about America. These go all over the country. You bring great speakers in, and then you help people see, not just understand the issues, but get inspired to believe they can be part of, they can understand, they can be part of the solution, and you validate their concern. Something is deeply, horribly wrong in America. Uh, it just it just is a, a, a brilliant thing that you've been doing. I, I totally commend it. Okay, well, actually, go ahead. I was going to ask you my only first question, then you can tell us what you wanted to share about people yeah. being with Trump, but... Did you listen to Trump's speech at Mar-a-Lago last night? Twice, the whole thing. Yep. Okay. So, what are your gut reactions? Like, what, what did you? What were your gut reaction takeaways? One, if you were to watch this program, I'd say, uh, sir, I've never been prouder, more proud to call you uh, president. I've never been more proud, more uh, to watch the resolute uh, defiance of a man who's unapologetically a patriot. A man who he could have said all sorts of things, but you know what he did? He stuck to the facts. He gave a courageous speech. And we're talking about, again, President Trump framed it. You know, the people that are coming after him are talking about espionage, right? These are people that are coming after him um, and saying the most egregious, nefarious things about him. And President Trump showed a resolute, uh, steady. It was It's very reminiscent of Winston Churchill's. Um, speech when he was stood up to, to defy Adolf Hitler's. Uh, it, a lot of people don't remember this or don't know that story, but Adolf Hitler was on the verge of taking over all of Europe. And Winston Churchill famously, I don't have the, 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 speech, the speech memorized, but he got up there and, and said, we're going to fight you on the beaches. We're going to fight you on, on, on the hills. We're going to fight you in the air. We're not going to stop fighting. But at the end of the day, Winston Churchill also told the people to remain calm and carry on. People forget where that phrase came from. But it was remain calm and be, carry on despite the relentless bombings. Stay calm and carry on because we still have to provide for our families. We still have to show up at work. And I thought President Trump did a really good job steadying the ship last night. It was, it was, it was one of my um, proudest moments as an American patriot to see what he said last night. I couldn't agree more. I thought it was stellar. You know what else is really interesting? I've seen people comment on social media. You know, I was kind of undecided uh, about the GOP nominee. You know, DeSantis seems like a nice guy, and he's he's running, and he's you know he doesn't have all of the baggage that Trump has. But once they saw the determination of Alvin Bragg to go after him yep. over nothing. I mean, we, we can talk about all the nothings that that are part of this indictment, but over nothing. And really kind of defiantly, because as he digs and digs, he discovers there's nothing really genuine to indict, and he still does it. There, there's just a, you start to realize how much the left in this country wants Trump gone. It's not just the left. It's mostly the left, a little bit of the uniparty thing, but they want him gone because he's the one guy, he's a boulder in the road to what they want to do to this country, to take down freedom. And then they also realize there's no one fighting like Trump, and he's still fighting. I think many people, when you face that kind of accusation, and I'm sure, and, and I'll tell you, some lawyers, you know, they say to their clients, well, you know, stay out of the news, keep quiet, don't be put, and he, I don't know whether his lawyers even bother saying that to him, but he's just right there, back in the fight, speaking out for himself, and just speaking truth. He's, he's not exaggerating at all, the seriousness or the, um, uh, the obvious intent of what this guy is trying to do. He's just trying to take down Trump. I loved it. Okay. Now you said you said you wanted to share about people who are uh, kind of more yeah. insiders with Trump. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give people some, some good news here. Okay. Um, and I want people to thing number one, I encourage everyone to write down. Okay. We're on the verge of good Friday. And I think we have a lot of reason to maybe call it bad Friday, but don't we call it good Friday as Christians? I mean, but we could call it bad Friday, right? 
So a lot of times how we look at things, I think, is important, how we how we mentally look at things. So I'm going to give you some information that might sound discouraging, but I, I believe it to be encouraging. Uh, Matt Whitaker, uh, the former U.S. Attorney General, hopped on my show, and he pointed out a lot of these a lot of this information. So one, the whole case is involving Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels. And I would encourage everybody to look up Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels. Now, don't look up Stormy Daniels too much, folks, but if you look up Stormy Daniels and Michael Cohen, you're going to discover – these people uh, have – well, how credible are these people is the question I would ask. How credible are the people at the, at the center of this case? The next, the, the next thing that I want to encourage people to know about this case is that Alvin Bragg, who's going after President Trump, he has uh, shown an, a, a propensity or a, a pattern of downgrading felonies – in a, in a, a violent crime-riddled Manhattan, he downgrades 52% of these felonies to misdemeanors. Okay, so you're saying, how, how credible is he? And then how credible, again, is Cohen and Stormy Daniels? Third is when you look at the counts, you look at 30-plus counts that are going after President Trump. You look at the counts, if you, if you take the time to read it yourself, you'll discover we really have a case of a nothing burger here. Now, Eric Trump tweeted this out last night, and Eric and I have gotten to be very good friends, and we talk you know, virtually every day. And I, I just will tell you, Eric Trump uh, absolutely is proud of his father, and I can't tell you how awesome that is to see as his friend, to see a son cheer for his dad like that. But Eric, Eric Trump tweeted this out last night here, April 4th. He tweets out, breaking, the Ninth Circuit just awarded Trump $121,962 in attorney fees from Stormy Daniels. Order just released. This in addition to roughly 500000 she already owes him. On the very day that Trump was arrested, the Ninth Circuit just awarded Trump $121,962.56 in attorney fees from Stormy Daniels. Also, to show the complete mindless political witch hunt we have here, Alvin Bragg shut down the entire city of New York he called up 38,000 New York Police Department uh, police officers. He closed down the FDR drive, and he spent an estimated $200 million of city funds, all related to a 130,000 non-disclosure document. Again, Trump was awarded yesterday by the Ninth Circuit $121,000 in attorney fees from Stormy Daniels. The entire situation is involving a $130,000 non-disclosure agreement. So again... There's a lot of information that shows the truth is on our side, but back to your opening monologue, the question is, is there, a, is there any justice in the American justice system? And that's where my prayers are today, As I pray that God, would, the Holy Spirit, would fill the hearts and minds of these people that apparently have gotten accustomed to making political uh, decisions as opposed to looking at decisions based upon the merit and, and, and the actual balance of the law. I pray that our Holy Spirit will fill the hearts and minds of these uh, people in, a, in these positions where they have the power to make rulings and that they will uh, sober up, they will come to their senses and recognize that President Donald J. Trump is only guilty of being an unapologetic patriot. Absolutely. And, you know, because Tr I, I, I love everything you just said. I meant to mention, by the way, it's a start of the first five, and I um, got a little behind here and I didn't get to it, didn't mention it. But, you know, tonight at sundown is the start of Passover. And then obviously we're on Holy Week and Easter is coming on Sunday. 
I love the idea. This is especially a time of prayer for Americans. I mean, Passover is a beautiful celebration of the Jewish faith. I actually know many Christian pastors or just Christian people in America who observe Passover to some degree because you're really just celebrating God's protection of his people. Passover obviously relates to the, the you know, Jews fleeing out of Egypt and, and, and you know, being protected by God as, this, as the uh, plague is otherwise afflicting people. And they are protected as, as loyal children of God. And I love that, there's that Passover is a time of prayer. I love that Christians, many Christians observe Passover. Um, and um, and uh, so I'm just waiting for that. And then Easter, obviously, the most holy week in the uh, Christian calendar. I think many people are more immersed in prayer than usual. So I think that's a wonderful thing for us. Yeah, I would just say, again, I go back and agree with what you said. Um, the, the whole idea, we could look at it as Bad Friday. I mean, we could call it Bad Friday, but we call it Good Friday, right? And I just encourage people to understand that Trump's approval rating has gone up dramatically, Debbie, dramatically, since these allegations came out against him. Christians are waking up in droves. I, I believe that we are right now witnessing um, a massive event that's going to wake up people. And unfortunately, you know, I'm a business consultant, and I always say this phrase, I wish it wasn't true, but most people don't look for a breakthrough until they have a breakdown. I mean, is, isn't that right? I mean, don't most people not really look for a breakthrough until they have a breakdown? I know most business owners don't reach out to me for help to grow their company until they're kind of stuck. And maybe they're in a little bit of a bad spot. I know a lot of people don't come out of addictions or turn their life around until they've kind of hit rock bottom. And I believe right now our country in many ways, shape and forms has, has hit rock bottom. And now you're starting to see, and President Trump has spoken about this in his recent speeches, but Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, they're in the process of rolling out the new BRICS reserve currency. That's a, that's a thing. We're experiencing now the de-dollarization of the world's economy. You see Russia and China announcing they're teaming up together to buy and sell oil uh, using the Russian ruble and the Chinese yuan. You're seeing Brazil join in. So you're seeing the de-dollarization of our nation. Also, Debbie, you're seeing the Restrict Act being introduced, and the Restrict Act is being branded as something that's going to stop the communist-controlled TikTok, but actually it will stop patriots from sharing the truth. And uh, it's a, an innovative way that – it's an innovative um, – in an evil, innovative way to give uh, terrifying powers to a federal government to go after patriots who share "quote unquote" misinformation. Um, so you have the, the the threats being posed right now by the Restrict Act. There, you have the the threat uh, going after our leader, President Donald J. Trump. You have the de-dollarization of the world's economy. You have the the, the epic inflation that's happening. All these things are happening, and I believe many people are turning to God right now as never before. So I would just encourage everybody out there. My thesis is that America needs more Jesus. And so I would encourage you today, folks, open your Bible specifically to Luke chapter 21. Do that today. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 21. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 24 and read those things. Read those things and get it get in the word of God and you'll get some encouragement there. And then also, Debbie, just a housekeeping note, if anybody wants to hear what is going on, Related to the Trumps, I recommend you might hear from the Trumps. And if you come to the Reawaken America Tour right now, Debbie, we have just under 300 tickets remaining for the Reawaken America Tour, Miami, Florida. And that's in May. You can get those tickets at timetofreeamerica.com, uh, timetofreeamerica.com. And you're going to be hearing from Eric Trump will be there. Laura Trump will be there. Um, you're going to see Matt Whitaker, the former U.S. Attorney General. You're going to have uh, Cash Patel. You're going to have uh, uh, Devin Nunes, Trump's partner with Truth Social. You'll have General Flynn. I mean, the lineup's going to be incredible. And I encourage people to get involved there. You can get those tickets at time to freeamerica.com. 
Okay, actually, you know, Clay, I was going to say, why don't you tell people how to get tickets for your, for your tours, and so I'm glad you did timetofreeamerica.com. You left off the most important speaker, though, in Miami, uh, where I want to just make a plug for, which is me. And so that's why I'm telling people, that's why you should go. Forget those other, whoever he's talking about, oh, never heard of them. Okay. Do come. I've got a deal. <laughs> this is the deal. Seriously, if anybody buys a ticket today and they mention they heard about the reawakened tour through you, they're entered in for a chance to win a backstage pass. And because we have under 300 tickets, it's like a one in 300 chance to win a backstage pass. So I encourage people, if they come back there, you know, they can meet you uh, and they can meet Eric and Laura Trump. And it, it's going to be awesome. And I love having you at these events because you drop a lot of knowledge bombs. I really do appreciate it. Well, I love that you do them. And honestly, I think, you know, uh, I like that you're making a, a, I like everything that you're saying. I do want to hit, I want to respond briefly to your, your points about the Restrict Act and about the de-dollarization. I think one thing that is happening, I, I think there have been tremendous prayers for discernment, understanding, uh, direction, what, what we're supposed to do about this. People are now collect, uh, connecting dots more. They're, they're saying, it isn't just bad border policy that's open the border, but otherwise, you know, they mean us well. Or, or the border policy is one thing, but it's unrelated to the de-dollarization of our economy. I think people are more aware of the, uh, of the mission, of the ideology yeah. of the left, which is simply, we're simply not going to have America as founded, Amer the America Trump is trying to restore, the America of freedom and sovereignty and strength and capitalism and opportunity and abundance. These are all under attack, and it's all connected. It is all being done by the same people, the Restrict Act in particular. I mean, thank goodness someone finally read it and realized what it did, realized it was going to take away our freedom in the way the Patriot Act is, someone called it the Patriot Act for the Internet, but people finally realized what it was. I'm sure you saw that scene on, um, I think it was Jesse Waters, one of them, where um, Senator Lindsey Graham was being oh. asked about it, just saying, do you realize what's in this act? He runs through, they can spy on everything at all times. And Lindsey Graham said, yeah, that's terrible. And then he said, you're a co-sponsor. Did you see that little clip? I did, and he actually responded. Lindsey Graham responds. He says, uh, I don't believe, Jesse, I'm, I'm in favor of that. He says, I don't believe that I'm in favor of that. I mean, total political spin there. Uh, you know, and again, we, we did an event. Uh, I was there with Simone Gold at an event that you were helping to organize and were, were participating in, I would say, in Dallas. I think it was like a Dallas women's Republicans group there about two years ago. And uh, Simone Gold and I were trying to explain to people how these things connect, you know, how, how what's inside the shots, there's RNA modifying nanotechnology in the shots, how that connects to central bank digital currencies. A, the central bank digital currencies are going to be programmed using a technology called quant.network, quant.network. And the technology that uh, MIT developed to use, for, to use for the CBDCs is called, look this up, folks, MIT quantum dot. It's called the MIT quantum dot. So this technology goes under your skin and it stores your medical and financial records under your skin. So when you start to see, wow, we're having hyperinflation and a de-dollarization and we're having a conversation about introducing FedNow or the central bank digital currencies, that's because they want to put surveillance under the skin. That's technology where you can't buy or sell without technology under your skin. And you see, wow, you've all know a Harari, the guy who's Klaus Schwab's top advisor. Guess what he's doing? He's calling for the overthrow and the removal of Benjamin Netanyahu from office in Israel. You know, so the one country that God chose, Israel, and the one country that chose God, America, 
At the same time they're trying to remove Benjamin Netanyahu, guess what they're doing in America? They're trying to remove President Donald J. Trump from the political playing field. They're trying to remove Netanyahu and President Trump at the same time. That's what's happening. And I'm telling you, it's all connected. It's called the Great Reset. It's not my theory. It is a plan by Klaus Schwab and his ilk. Absolutely. Clay, one more time, I want you to tell our listeners, because I really do, um, I want a, a very serious compliment. You have, you're just a, a bundle of energy, which it, it sound, that sounds trite, but you're full of energy, you're full of passion, you're full of passion for your Christian faith and, and the Christian church in America, and you're full of passion about uh, saving America. And so what you do in these tours that you do, plus in your talk show, your Thrive Time show, all of what you do is just, you bring information to light, you share with people, with credible uh, speakers talking about what's happening, and you do it with passion. You, you end up really inspiring people to recognize, yeah, everything that's happening is not right. And we do have to stand up and you can help. You offer, I, I, just, I commend all that you're doing. I, I actually hear people say they've gone to one of your tours and all of a sudden they realize, oh my gosh, I never realized, I never put all that together. It's been whatever it is, two or three days listening to all the speakers and they feel like they're a part of America again. So I, I truly commend you for doing them. And again, tell our listeners how they can get tickets to your upcoming, any, any of the upcoming ones. Well, I don't say this enough, but you could name your price. So first off, if you just get to Miami, Florida, we're going to Trump Doral in beautiful Miami, Florida. And it's the Trump Doral Golf Course in Miami, Florida. And you can get those tickets at time2freeamerica.com, time2freeamerica.com. Um, also, if you want to text in for a little bit faster service, you can text this phone number, which I've put on the back of Yuval Noah Harari's head. So what the enemy meant for bad, we're using for good here. This is my phone number, 918-851-0102, 918-851-0102. You can text that number to request tickets to join the Reawaken America Tour. It's going to be a life-changing event. We have just under 300 tickets. And if you request a ticket today, you're entered in for a chance to win a backstage pass to meet Debbie and Team America. Clay Clark, thank you for uh, so fun to see you as always. Thank you so much for joining me today. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, my friends, that, that is a, they're great to go to. You know, my um, husband, I spoke at one other one couple other ones anyway but i'm going to speak in miami we are just making our plans for that and um they really are uh you just feel the buzz of patriotism and and people are just serious in substance you know there's a lot of discussion in politics that seems to come out of some uh punditry world uh that is just kind of slogan slinging and superficial uh there's nothing like that in these uh these uh, reawaken america tours they're very deep they're very substantive the speakers are substantive and you're also just in a crowd of people who also love america and who are very very concerned about what is happening to america so i just urge you to consider getting tickets to those go to those lots of fun um and and um, i hope to see you there okay i'm going to try to hit two other topics today uh one i call this one stopping the omnibus spending frenzy and I want to just quickly tell you about why I'm doing this. So here in the gray state of Texas, we have an attorney general named Ken Paxton. And Ken is a longtime friend. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. So is his wife. She's a state senator. And these people are just, you know, they're in the battle for America. And they're in the battle, really, because they are Texans for Texas. In fact, wherever you're listening, I will tell you, this is a nationwide show. We have listeners in every state. We have listeners all over the world. Uh, it's a very national show. But I will say about Texas, you hear people talk about the idea that, you know, Texas is really what America is supposed to be. 
I mean, Texas still has that spirit. It is that, you know, nearly independent spirit, you know, this frequent, sometimes people get off on talking about whether Texas should secede, I don't think so, but, you know, this whole idea of Texas, we believe in freedom. We believe in the right of the individual to live in freedom. We believe in faith and family and, and freedom. It's just a, it's kind of in the DNA of being a Texan. So Ken Paxson is our uh, attorney general, and he is a um, really, really strong pushing for the idea uh, that in Texas, um, we have to be the leader on many issues in the country. We have to be the state standing up and challenging this growing uh, power coming out of the federal government, grow growing control over the American people, the loss of freedom just flowing from uh, the Biden administration. So one thing he did recently, and he's so far uh, making great progress on it is, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson filed a lawsuit uh, challenging the Biden uh, administration's massive $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. You likely recall that bill went through $1.7 trillion. And I'm going to get to in a moment and tell you why this is just like the $1.7 trillion spending lunacy is just like abandoning the border. It's just like every other evil thing this Biden administration is doing. It's all tied to weakening America. But but in particular, what Attorney General um, uh, Ken Paxson did was uh, he filed a lawsuit essentially saying that the entire bill was invalid. The bill was invalid because they did not have a quorum physically present in the United States Congress when the bill was passed. And so a quorum, just you likely know, in any organ or many organizations, uh, if you're going to make changes, you're going to vote on things, you have to have a certain percentage of the body present, whether it's a, you know, a, a little organization meeting or a big organization, whatever it is, you have to have a quorum present. And actually the Constitution says that you have to have a quorum present. Article 1, Section 5, Clause 1 says that the Congress had to have a quorum present before they passed this unbelievably expensive $1.7 trillion you know, spending bonanza. So in short, uh, what happened was they passed it in, um, in December of 2022, and they had um, only... 201 representatives present. You know, the Congress is 435 members, only 201 people, uh, members of Congress present in Congress at the time. Um, the House held the vote anyway, counting the votes of the 201 present. So of all those people who were present, their votes counted, but also adding to the tally an extra 226 votes of people who weren't there, who were back home, who were voting by, the term is voting by proxy. And you may think this is a formalistic, just kind of picayune thing to be talking about, but you know, it's different when you're voting in person. You're sitting in the room, looking around at your fellow members of Congress, and you know this is a lunatic level spending bill. You know once they did this omnibus spending bill vehicle that everybody and their brother is throwing in everything possible, every dream project they ever want to get funded out of the government, everything they ever thought the government will never fund this, but when they want your vote on this omnibus bill, 
you can throw in garbage. And this is what this bill is, full of garbage. And it's different when you're at home. You don't have to look your fellow lawmakers in the eye. You don't, have, you, you don't even have to acknowledge, you, you weren't there. You send a proxy to vote for you. And so Ken Paxson's challenging in federal court the idea that Congress is even allowed to pass this omnibus spending bill, $1.7 trillion, uh, when no one is, when, when they don't have a quorum there. And um, they had actually, in May of 2020, Congress had made a rule essentially saying, you know, we're allowed to vote by proxy. Uh, we don't have to be there, even though the Constitution says we should be there. Uh, and they did it under the, uh, the um, understanding or under the uh, justification for a public health emergency due to novel, uh, the novel coronavirus. And so in May of 2020, because of the coronavirus, they said, we, we can all go home. It's not safe to be here. Nancy Pelosi, I'm, I'm telling you, anyone who doesn't want to stand up for what they are voting for and doesn't want to be really you know, take responsibility, they love this idea. Go home, hide at home, you know, call in your proxy. It doesn't really count. So they, the House passed it December 23rd. Uh, Biden signed it December 29th. So Ken Paxson first brought uh, this motion, uh, seeking a now he's now seeking, he, he brought this lawsuit, he's now seeking a preliminary injunction. He's basically telling the court, now that you have agreed we have a problem here, that they can't just pass these laws without a quorum, without the Congress being there, he wants the court to enjoin, or mean to force Congress, or force the government to say, you can't spend this money. It hasn't been duly authorized because you passed this in the way that you did. So he's trying to get that. And, you know, you have to understand, this is money that funds the government through September of this year. This is currently money they uh, need. And so the court might be, you know, a little hesitant because the money is rolling out now. Um, but the, this argument that's being made is if you let them do this, what will ever stop them in the future? You know, it, it's just that there wasn't, by the time this got passed, this whole episode we're talking about now got passed, there wasn't the need for this, uh, for this uh, proxy voting. And so he's trying to get the court to do that. A lot of considerations about, you know, what do you do when the money's already been spent? What do you do about money that's needed? Uh, Ken Paxson's pointing to two particular things. Um, in the uh, spending package, he's especially aggrieved about and wants the court to look at. Maybe the court will just say, okay, well, we can't stop the whole dang bill. We'll stop at just these two issues. But tell you something else there. Um, there's a little narrow legal point. Um, there's some argument. People are saying, well, you know, um, this is an enrolled, this is a term, uh, a legal term, a legalistic term, an enrolled bill. Once it's enrolled, I mean, it's already been passed and signed and signed on. Uh, you can't, you can't raise challenges to it. But Paxson's saying, no, actually, that just means you can't bring factual challenges to it. But you can bring legal challenges, legal challenges to the very legality of what was passed. I'm just glad, I will say, no matter what a court does with this, no matter what uh, the court does, it is a great thing to see someone like our Attorney General in Texas, Ken Paxson, fighting. He's not just letting this yet another astonishingly destructive thing to America's freedom, America's future. He's just not letting it happen. He is not taking it sitting down. He is a, a fighter. He has been since he's been in office. Um, grateful for that. Um, there are two things um, in the bill he's particularly particularly focused on. Uh, Department of Homeland Security, um, alternatives to detention program. Um, basically, he's just saying, um, 
Anyway, it gets too much in the weeds for this conversation. Department of Homeland Security, uh, which barely enforces the border, and really nobody enforces the border, but they have processes in place. If they do happen to catch you coming across illegally, what they do with you. And he's trying to say, um, you know, we've got to stop this, stop funding things that allow DHS to release people into the, into the interior, into America, and then, you know, try to track them down later because they never show up for their hearings. Ken Paxson's fighting broadly speaking against the Biden administration's lunatic spending and more narrowly, he's trying to say, you know, this is one thing as an attorney general he can do. He can say a court has to look at this. Can Congress really pass a $1.7 trillion spending bill when you didn't even have a quorum there? I don't know what will happen, but I love the spirit. In a similar way, Ken Paxton, and I really, um, you know, I, I do know him and I consider him a friend and his wife. I mean, they're, they're lovely people and they fight that they fight all day long for Texas and freedom. Uh, the other thing uh, that um, that Ken Paxson has been at least uh, initially victorious in, another thing, just the lunacy of the Biden administration, Ken Paxson uh, went to court over this Biden administration beginning to put in place a mandate for children in the Head Start program to get the COVID vaccine. Let me back up and say, the COVID vaccine Every expert, I mean, there are experts up and down the ranks, doctors of all kinds, been on this show, been on other shows, all pointing out that there's no reason, no reason to vaccinate children against COVID. There's no reason. I mean, literally, there is no reason. I mean, they, they barely get it. They're, they're largely immune to it. They don't get it. When they do get it, it's mild. I mean, there's just, and the vaccines are obviously dangerous. Everyone understands this. The data is just pouring out about how dangerous the vaccines are. More and more Americans are aware of it. Doctors are pointing it out. I mean, all over the world, awareness is rising of the dangerous of the COVID, dangerousness of the COVID vaccines. But the Biden administration marching along and saying, no, we're going to have a mandate. So young and, and Head Start is for people who are the poorest among us. It is for the poor. So the poor who don't have, who need Head Start, the argument goes, need Head Start to get their kids caught up so they're able to participate in public school and have all the learning and background other kids have. So you have Head Start people already low income, already in need, and the only way they can get access to the care, the, the, the Head Start program that's supposed to help their kids is to force that, is they've got to concede on the vaccines and let your child have this COVID vaccine, which I keep saying, everyone, every day more information comes out about the uh, about deaths among children from getting the vaccine, about how statistically is basically a zero chance of a child dying of COVID. That's what it is. Statistically speaking, a zero chance. And yet the Biden administration seeing an opportunity to engage in tyranny, to increase its tyranny, to increase its control over the American people and saying, yep, actually, we're going to make children, low income children with no other option. We're going to make them get a vaccine. I'm just telling you that Ken Paxton. And so I think he got a preliminary injunction. I'm sorry. Let me make sure he got a, Yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Federal judge agreed uh, with Ken, pa uh, Ken Paxton's lawsuit on behalf of the state of Texas and set aside the Biden administration policy that would have mandated Head Start uh, staff and volunteers uh, get the vaccine. The rule would have also forced parents, staff, volunteers, and children over the age of two to be masked. I mean, the whole thing is just a, 
there's nothing to do with health and safety, nothing to do with protecting children, everything to do to show that the Biden administration is saying, because I have the ability to do this, I will do it. Okay, one last quick story today, um, and that I called it, um, where's the Nashville Shooters Manifesto? And I actually have two things I wanna tell you about this. So obviously, America, everyone is deeply grieving and deeply upset about this horrific murder, this murder of six innocent people that occurred in Nashville last week. And it turned out that the murder was at the hands of a woman, a transgender, who is a woman who wishes she were a man, is at some stage of pretending she's a man, you know, wants people to use male pronouns. I mean, these people, this whole transgender thing has become so preposterous that it is considered hurtful and misgendering if you call a person who is a female with female anatomy but you can't say she you have to say whatever they want you to say it's like I, if i wanted to be called your highness you know every time you refer to me call me your highness you say i'm not calling you that you're not a queen you're not a princess i'm not calling you that but this this mindset has um, been instilled in america that you're somehow supposed to um, you're forced to use it, it, the pronouns that someone wants. Anyway, that's not the issue here. The issue today is, so this killer, this transgender woman uh, who is pretending to be a man, um, committed this outrageous, evil, just evil, they're, they're unspeakable evil murder of three innocent children and three adults ahead of the school and two other officials working at the school, murdered them uh, in the middle of the day in broad daylight uh, apparently stone cold sober and sane although she's not sane but anyway did this in this nashville uh you know private school this christian school and the uh she had left a manifesto explaining all the reasons she's so angry she's so justified in this that she so she leaves this manifesto screeching about you know how why she had to do this and she's basically mad because the christian it appears the Christian community does not just humor her demand to be treated as though she is a male because she's not. And so the Christian community, many of uh, the strong Christians have been saying, you know, we're not going to indulge this transgender thing because number one, it's not true. They really aren't. They can claim whatever they want to say, but that's not what they are. We all know it's not what they are. But many Christians and many people of faith, Jews and Christians and others say, you know, we have God-given identity. We don't, we don't have to go along with someone who's trying to claim there's something they are not. So whether you like the Christian view on it or you don't, what has happened is this young woman got so outraged because the school she attended as a girl that she graduated from as a girl, that she's now as an adult trying to say she's a guy, she's angry that they won't just humor her transgender mission. So she goes into school, she shoots up, shoots up the place, only stops because she's killed, she herself is killed by police officers, and she left a manifesto, which is really the point of this story. A manifesto, you know, it's a writing, a ranting, whatever she left, explaining why she was doing this, explaining what she was going to do and why she was going to do it. She had on that same day texted a friend to say, you know, I don't want to live anymore. You'll see me in the news. I'm going to do something bad. I mean, she knows she's not, this is a horrible thing she's about to do. Um, but anyway, the manifesto lays out a lot of the, of her thinking, it appears. And so everyone obviously in the country would like to see, well, what was she thinking? 
What does she think about herself? How does she describe herself? Why is she angry? What is she claiming she's justified in being angry about? Why is she claiming she's justified in being angry? I mean, they're really legitimate questions. And so now you have to remind yourself when other things happen and any manifestos out there that is on, the, on behalf of someone who is considered to be uh, you know, a white supremacist or considered to be someone that the media agrees you should, you should uh, deplore and you should, you should condemn, you know, those are put out right away. You've got to see what happened. This, he said this, this proves white supremacism, blah, blah, blah. Okay, white supremacism is evil. So is the transgender ideology, at least as forced on children, pure evil. What I'm getting at is the, the, uh, the manifesto still has not been released. They're saying the FBI is studying it. The FBI is studying it to understand better what motivated this. This is the same FBI still going after all January 6th defendants, regardless of whether they stood out on the lawn of the Capitol and prayed out loud for the nation. Whatever they did, if you're in Washington, if you were in Washington January 6th, you really better watch yourself. So the FBI is holding on to this manifesto and won't release it. Now they're saying they're going to, but what happens, of course, is whatever is finally released, whenever it's released, whatever is finally released, Many people, of course, have the question, well, how do we know this is all of it? How do we know you didn't edit it? How do you know we didn't cut out you? How do we know you didn't cut out the parts you don't want the American people to see? Because there is a pervasive thought among totalitarian thinkers, among leftist thinkers, that the people don't actually have the right to know anything that they, the Marxists, the leftists, don't want you to know. It is why the Biden administration was perfectly comfortable through the DHS controlling the discussion on Twitter and social media about all sorts of issues they didn't want the American people to know. You had, because of Twitter files, we now know you had the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI orchestrating and shutting down conversations on Twitter and other places that they decided the, F the, the American people aren't entitled to express this opinion. The American people don't have the right to read this. They don't have the right to know what other people think. They don't have, certain viewpoints, certain opinions can never be put out there. There is a mindset that says that, that part of governing is just deciding what the peasants are allowed to know and not know. It's really un-American. It is dangerous. And I fear that is what's happening with the, the Nashville Shooters Manifesto. I fear what is happening is that they are deciding this would make many people who are trying to stand up for God-given identity, many people who do not agree with the entire transgender grooming agenda of children, the people who don't like that, the people calling out this whole transgender agenda, it will validate. The fear the FBI has is the contents of this manifesto will validate what those people are saying that transgenderism may, is, is a problem. You're not mentally stable. If that's what you think of yourself, you're not mentally stable if you think you are transgendered. If you, you are, you're just not, you don't have your act together. And this is the fear that people have about why this isn't being released. The young lady's name was Audrey Hale. She tried to change her name to some guy name, I think Aiden or something. Uh, but in any case, the important point to me in this story today is we cannot accept that as the American people, that the government can withhold from us and decide what you're allowed to know. Obviously, we don't have to know troop movements coming up in a dangerous war or things that would 
impact America's safety or the safety of our troops. There's no reason in the world the FBI or any other law enforcement agency should be holding on to Audrey Hale's manifesto. None at all. And a related story, as we're in this Easter week and we're all loving to go back to church, and if we don't go very often, or just loving to, to celebrate our Christian heritage, there was a story related to transgenderism out of the Lutheran Church, and I'm just going to tell it in 30 seconds because I'm out of time for the show, but I was troubled by this because my grandfather and uncles Norwegian Lutheran ministers. That was my family's background. We, you know, we were in church all the time growing up in the Lutheran church. There's a transgender Lutheran minister in probably Minnesota, because that's where they all live. So my family was from. But in any case, there was a transgender Lutheran minister who actually preached that the Nashville shooter, Audrey Hale, was a lot like Jesus. This transgender married to another non-binary whatever preaching about that and so when you choose your church when you choose your church try to find someone who actually follows the bible's teachings you're about to go off our radio listeners come back next time this is debbie georges america can we talk so we're closing the show today as we do every day uh, by telling you the stories we talked about today and why they matter to you so we started our show today. We talked about Trump roars back, scan the American condition in April 2023. Southern border gone, military emasculated, energy independence scuttled, price rise and energy driving inflation everywhere, economy tanking, banks closing, dollar is collapsing, Chinese spy balloon map surveils US ICBM intercontinental ballistic missile installations with Biden's permission apparently unlimited spending to defend Ukraine borders, none for the U.S. border, violent crime rising in cities, fentanyl killing young people at annual rates exceeding Vietnam War casualties. That's how bad fentanyl is. Yet the top priority of the Biden mainstream media leftist cabal is to destroy Trump through political prosecutions or should have said persecutions. There is no excuse for any American who does not see this Marxist takeover for what it is. Trump alone is standing in the gap. Are enough Americans ready, willing, and able to join him? And stopping the omnibus spending frenzy, Texas AG Ken Paxton has filed suit against implementing the omnibus spending bill. Suit is on rock solid legal ground in noting constitutional quorum requirements not met at the time the bill was passed. Judges typically are reluctant to rule in ways that interrupt spending bills already passed into law, but legal grounds for nullifying unconstitutional passage of this bill are very strong. Paxton may seek partial halt of still unspent funds affecting immigration and abortion. The U.S. courts are regularly presented with opportunities to rein in Democrat lawlessness. Paxton's lawsuit takes dead aim at Pelosi's unconstitutional proxy voting procedures. Will any judge have the guts to enforce the Constitution? And where is the Nashville Shooter's Manifesto? Leaks about the Nashville shooting indicate mass murder was planned for months. Anti-Christian worldview obviously likely to be the focus of the Shooter's Manifesto. But law enforcement, FBI, withholding public release of the Shooter's Manifesto. Why do LEOs, law enforcement officers, get to decide what the American public is allowed to see about criminals? This is worse than the American people can't handle the truth, so we won't tell them. This is 
the Biden leftist cabal is invested in destroying Christianity. And this manifesto may expose why those who seek to destroy Christianity are so dark and ugly and repulsive. And we can't let the American people know this because they will resist our agenda. Lack of transparency in law enforcement and in the judiciary is fatal to law and order. The DOJ FBI must be cleaned out, restarted, and repeopled with American patriots. My very fine friends, tomorrow on the show, Thursday, we have joining us in studio in our special Thursday show, Kevin Freeman, extraordinary expert on everything economic, everything about the de-dollarization, uh, BRICS, CBDC, everything happening that's threatening the American economy. It'll be a stellar, stellar show, so be sure to tune in tomorrow at 3 p.m. and every day, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you